This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, friends, and potential friends, maybe, (laughs) if it's your first time. (laughs) That's pretty much me and a cosm right there. (laughs) uh, My name is Angela, and I would love to meet you uh, after. Um, I would not recommend that you come up here at this second, but I will head out there, and I would love to meet you after. And... Uh, we feel like friends here, um, and that is not necessarily because we've been together a ton, but there is something that happens when people come together with a curiosity about their faith and are willing to open up and ask the tough questions, and this series is asking some tough questions, and I love that. So we're going to get personal today. In this case, I've got the microphone, so I'm going to get personal, and you just get to be along for the ride and bless your hearts for that. Bless your hearts. I've cried five times this morning. <laughs> Who knows, people? Who knows what's coming? <laughs> this is an intensely personal day and an intensely personal topic, which makes me really excited to talk about it because when something has altered our life, you just want to talk about it. So to that end, I'm grateful that I have a little timer up here to help me so that you can get out on time and I can stay on point. But I think today is going to be a blast. If you want to, there are teaching uh, notes inside your program. Diva took her program with her, which is fair. Well, you could just be jotting down whatever. Today we'll have more of a story form feel to it. So sometimes that can be tough to know what is my takeaway. So I would just recommend if you were a note taker, I'm not going to follow an outline type of a thing today in our conversation. It'll be much more like a conversation. But if you'll just jot down stuff that sticks, that can be enough to recall your part in this story as we talk. Um, We are talking about prayer. And for most of us, the concept of prayer often lands in a should category. And what we want to do, like I should be praying, I should be praying more, my prayers should be working better than they are. Lots of shoulds are happening in prayer. And so this series is meant to demystify prayer and yet be intensely practical. And because the thing is, prayer changes everything. And you might hear somebody say that, and whoever is saying that has experienced it, because it can be kind of tough to figure out how to explain it in such a way that what I am experiencing in my prayer life is something that you can experience, because we are wired up differently. So Ron and I are attempting to break this down in such a way that we can share what is working for us, but also the principles underneath that, so it's applicable across the board. So this is, I love this series. I am excited to redefine and demystify prayer so that it can light us up as a community. So last week, Ron covered what is our win of prayer, and I thought he did an incredible job. I loved this sentence. Prayer is ordinary conversations that are happening every day with the God who sees us. I love that. He spent time getting into what that means, that it's the God that sees us, not just a God that we are talking to, but a God that sees us. I love that. Today, we're going to cover how does prayer work. That is the title. But as I prayed about what to talk about here, I realized one of the things we have to start with is the question, does prayer work? Because if I go to answer the question, how does prayer work, I am making the assumption that you believe that prayer works. And I'm just telling you how it works. And that's not really fair because for huge portions of my life, I actually wondered if prayer worked. 
But I did not press too far into that because I did not really want to know the answer. So I just kept praying and praying, and I felt like they were hitting and missing. So I could tell you that prayer worked, but I would have to have added a caveat to the end of that that was, yes, prayer works sometimes. And I would bet I am not the only person in this room that has had that sensation. And if we believe in a good God who sees us, then when we have our prayers work and not work and work and not work, it's the most natural thing in the world to think, what am I doing wrong? What, something must be wrong with me because if we have a loving God, an all-powerful God who sees us, then if my prayers are working sometimes and not working sometimes, it's probably something I'm doing. And I think that is a common problem for us. So I would like to actually redefine prayer this morning. And I think Ron set us up beautifully last week with this idea that God uh, designed prayer to be a conversation. Because most of our prayers, and, and if I'm being honest, the church has modeled for us that prayer is a monologue of things that I say to God. Dear God, dot, 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 and it's all me talking, amen. And then, if I'm being perfectly honest, it sort of feels like, cross our fingers. Hope that one went through. <laughs> Hope that mattered. We have to redefine our prayer. So step one is redefining prayer as a conversation with God. And I love the fact that he picked on the phrase, does prayer work? Prayer works, prayer works. We've all heard that. Prayer works. And in fact, I get kind of feisty. And I'm, I'm sorry if some of you use this phrase and you believe it and it works for you, but it is wholly unsatisfying for me. Have you heard prayer always works? Sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's a no. And sometimes it's a, do you, do you know the third one? Wait. Sometimes it's a wait. That is unsatisfactory to me. And for a long time, I judged myself for being ticked off because prayer is a system God designed. So if I'm going to get ticked off with how it works, that seems kind of sacrilegious on my part. Prayer is a yes, a no, or a wait. But I would suggest prayer is a wholly different thing. And in fact, that phrase points to a type of prayer that I have employed. And in fact, I would say it is my default setting to this day, that I start with this kind of prayer, and eventually God can get a word in edgewise, and I switch to the kind of prayer that I believe he had in mind. And it is this. It is vending machine prayer. I put my coin in, and sometimes I get the candy out, right? I mean, it's like, not only, so when we first started talking about vending machine prayer, it was I put in prayers and my answers come out. But then we all know vending machines to be what vending machines are. And it, it, I think it sticks with our, if you see prayer this way, I gave my request to God. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait. It ends up feeling like prayer is hit and miss. Like I've put my coin in the vending machine and I got stuck. Like, do I kick it? Do I put in another coin and push it through? Like, do I go double down on this thing? <laughs> I think our prayers work. I know. Ah! <laughs> I, when we approach prayer in this way, even if we make it conversational, Ron is totally right. It was always meant to be a conversation. But even if we make it conversational, God, I told you I wanted this. God, I need this. Are you listening? Okay, I hear you say you're listening. Yes, thank you. That's our conversation. What we do is it's almost like we're paying God with prayers. We're putting in the prayer, and it's like staring at the little slot. Come on, come on, come on, come on. What I would like to propose is that there's two different answers. And the question is, which one are we looking for? And it makes all of the difference in the world. 
The first one that is a possible answer to our prayers is what I asked for. I asked God for this, and one of the ways that he could answer that is to give me what I asked for. And that's the times that we feel like, good, prayer is working. I did it right. He's listening. He cares. Let's go. Prayer works. But what I am learning that is another answer is totally possible. And that instead of getting what I asked for, I get what I need. And it's way, way, way more powerful. And it's actually significantly more varied. What I am learning is that my vending machine prayers are driven by a heart space in me that says, I know best. I, that is a new awareness for me. That the vending machine prayer is like, okay, I'm short-circuiting. Yes, it's not a conversation, but God does want to know what I want. God does want to know what I need. I am supposed to be talking to him about it. But at the root of the vending machine prayer is that I am telling God I know what I need. I know every possible outcome of what could be coming, and I need this one. Please do this one. It's such a fascinating transition to consider. One possible answer is that God gives me what I ask for, but another perfectly valid answer is that God gives me what I need. So I'd like to go to, background, so, so sorry, this is where you get a sneak peek into the life of Angela. About 10 years ago, I was on staff, and we were making a decision for the church that was going to be incredibly controversial, and I knew it was going to be difficult. And I began praying weeks before this thing went public, please, God, please don't let this split the church. Please don't let people be hurt by this. Please. And specifically, if you don't know, um, I am Ron's daughter. So I, this is a little bit of a family business for us. And so I began the process of praying, please don't let this right decision hurt my family. Please. And I had reasons for this. One, I was thinking vending machine prayers. I'm going to put in a lot of prayers on this topic so God knows I'm serious about it and so that he didn't miss, like, maybe he missed a few of the texts that I sent him, but if I send 100, he's for sure going to get a couple of them. Like, I just started paying God with prayers. And I just kept thinking, have more faith, Ange. Have more faith. In the past, you've asked for things kind of half-heartedly, like, hey, would it be cool if you, <laughs> please? I went at it. I prayed deep. Faith-filled prayers. God has the ability to have this not hurt my family, not hurt the church. And then lastly, I had this verse, this Bible verse, and I'm probably not the only one who reads the Bible, grabs one little sentence out, and is like, ha I've got the secret. <laughs> I grabbed this very valid Bible verse out of James, which is, you do not have because you do not ask God. And I bludgeoned God with this Bible verse. Go back, go back, go back. I'm telling you, God, I'm asking. You said I could have it if I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm asking over and over and over again. You could probably imagine this did not go that well, this prayer. Now, God could have answered that. He could have answered that the way that I wanted to answer it. But fast forward a year, and I'm hurt. My family is hurt, and our, our church was hurting. We got married in September. We went on a vacation in November, and... Uh, Bless his heart, Jason, two months into marriage, I can't even vacation. I'm such a wreck, and I don't really know what's wrong. And so um, we, he started working from our hotel room while I cried in the corner. I couldn't figure out what was wrong, and it took about a week of puzzles. Does anybody else do therapy via puzzles? Uh-huh, yeah. It took about a week of puzzles and silence and crying to realize I was so angry at God. So angry. 
that everything I had prayed against had come true. Everything that I had prayed against. And I just couldn't even hardly stomach his presence. Now, in that year, I had kept my vending machine prayers going. I had kept my relationship with God open. What I did not realize was that by the end, you fast forward a year, I had turned my back. I was now, I did not understand, and I didn't want to understand. I just wanted him to apologize to me for not answering what I had asked for and for not being true to his word, which I thought was this. Like, that was the beginning of a beautiful switch in how I pray. One of the things that he said to me that week when I finally got through to, oh, my word, I'm hopping mad at God. That's, that's why I'm miserable. I'm, I am hopping mad at God. One of the things that he said to me was, and you were asking for this? You were, well, basically, you were asking to avoid the controversy? But what if I wanted to build something in you in the controversy? You didn't even ask me what I might want to do. You just simply asked me to skip it. But what if I didn't want to skip it? What if there was a completely different thing I wanted to do during this time in the church and in your prayer life and in your family? And in What if? You never asked me what my opinion was. You just told me what you needed. And it was valid that you were afraid of that. That's valid. But it wasn't the only thing I wanted to do. And it began to alter my perspective. So we don't need to go back to the screen, but you'll notice when I said vending machine prayers, I couldn't even put it up there without the whole don't. <laughs> like, you don't want this kind of prayer. This is not what God had in mind when he said pray without ceasing. That our lives will be lit up if we will learn to define prayer in a different way, which is what I would like to do. I would like to start talking about what we can say to ourselves instead of does prayer work or prayer works just yes, no, or wait. I would like to say prayer always provides. Always provides. It doesn't always provide what I ask for, but it has an incredible variety of things that it's providing. I'm just going to overwhelm you for just a second on the screen. <laughs> These are just things I ticked off quickly when I was thinking, how does prayer provide in addition to the things that it does that I ask for? It provides perspective. It provides insight on faulty logic. I am regularly praying based on faulty logic. It provides comfort and clarity. In fact, it has provided peaks into my future for me multiple times. Rest easy here, Ange. I've got that covered out there. Multiple times peaks into my future. Sometimes it provides what I asked for. It provides guidance. This conversation with God provides peace. It helps me ask better questions. I come with a whole litany of questions for God, and he starts rewriting those questions to the ones that actually provide these other things like clarity and guidance and peace. It provides answers to questions. It reveals my motives. It reveals God's heart. It brings hope, and it brings what I didn't think to ask for. So the question to me is not, does prayer work? Because the vending machine prayer makes me feel like maybe it's hit and miss. Sometimes it does. But if I stop to think prayer always provides, it always provides what I need, and sometimes it provides what I've asked for. That is a different conversation to be had. So then that begs the question, how can we walk in these kinds of prayers? So if prayer works because it always provides, how do we get to that space? 
Well, I'd like to point back to the engagement zone that Ron and I have both referenced because I think that is a super useful tool of breaking it down. But today I'd like to provide a different analogy. For those of us that are creative artists, visualization is incredibly helpful. And if you aren't, if you are, which one is the, is it right brain that are like linear thinkers? Oh, that's the creatives, so left brain. Oh dear. <laughs> So if you're the other side of the brain, I think this is still a helpful visualization for us. What I would like to call us to, to get into the kind of prayer that is actually a conversation that goes back and forth between us and God, is an analogy of a heart with chambers. We have, you know, a heart that actually has physical chambers, but the spiritual heart, the other kind of heart that we reference that is more symbolic kind of heart, I believe we walk around with different chambers inside of there, and God would say prayer is the process of having no locked doors on any of the chambers, that there's no space that is unsafe to talk about. And when I first started having this kind of prayer, it was terrifying. So I picture a hallway with doors going off of it all over the place, and this door is open, and God and I are walking down the hall, and we glance, and we're like, ha! That was such a fun memory. I loved that. And then we, we move on and we look down into this door. It was like, oh, that was so painful. You remember that time I fought you on that? Like, that we walk and there's most of the doors are open. But then we'll come to a door and metaphorically speaking, I am like trying to strike up more conversation with God so that he passes that door without glancing at it. Like, ah, let's keep remembering this one and keep walking, like walk faster. <laughs> so God won't look in that. And then there are other doors where I basically have my proverbial back to the door, my legs and my arms splayed. I'm like, no, you're not, no, <laughs> no. Prayer is the process of having all of the doors open. That no matter what I come to, whether it's something that I fear for my future, whether it's something that I'm struggling with right now, that there are no locked doors. There's nothing off limits. And this is where I love the engagement zone because the engagement zone assumes that we would, I'm sorry I didn't put this in our slides, that would have been helpful, especially if this is your first time at New Life, that would have been super helpful. The idea is that we bring everything of us, our personalities, as well as all of our emotions, we ask questions, we pick other people's brains, that we are fully engaged in a topic. The engagement zone is only available if the chamber is open and we can look in there with God and talk. And it is so powerful to visualize. So for me, rather than starting my prayers with dear God and then listing the things out and then sitting in silence hoping that he answers, what I do is visualize approaching the door. And sometimes that's the only step I can take that day is to approach the door and acknowledge that there is one that is locked that I'm not certain he can be trusted with. Either because I'm afraid he's going to go in there and he's going to be like, this is a mess. What is happening? We have to fix this. And that I will feel deep shame for what's in there. Or that I'm afraid if we go in there that he's going to answer with something I don't want. Sometimes the best step is just to walk up to the door and acknowledge that there is a door here that I'm afraid to open. And we just sit in companionable silence knowing that that is the case. And then maybe the next day, maybe the next week, maybe the next month, we reapproach that door, and I'm ready to open it, but I'm not ready to get him past the threshold. Like, you can stand here. <laughs> 
I've had doors that I'm like, okay, you can go look, but I can't look in there. It's just too painful. It's too uncomfortable. It's too scary. It's too whatever. The best prayers, the prayers that change our lives, the prayers that provide guidance and better questions and reveal our motives, the prayers that actually shape us with God's perspective are the ones where we step past the proverbial threshold together and we just start talking about what we find. And we just start finding out what he thinks about it. It shapes us. It changes the question on the table. It changes our view of the future. It changes our narrative about God. It changes everything. I love this quote by an author and speaker, Mike Foster. You can only heal what you reveal. If we live in hiding, if we keep things sacred from our conversations with God, from our conversations with other people, you've got to pick who's safe. God is safe. If we keep it hidden, we have no ability to heal it or to shape it or to change anything about it. You can only heal what you reveal. So I'd like to switch to a different conversation. And this is where it gets really personal, and bear with me, but it's the perfect example of a different kind of prayer in my life that's active and going on right now. I've shared a few times from a stage that my husband and I have struggles with infertility, and we have been attempting to start a family for years now. And this prayer, of course, started with the, the very traditional vending machine prayer. Dear God, please, please let us have kids. Please make this stop. Please start the next phase. Please. Sometimes that's all you got to say, and the rest is just there. And those vending machine prayers went from, I'd really like four kids, like a passel. I don't know if you can see it, but there's a little chaotic cloud running around me of small children. I love that visual. But my vending machine prayers quickly hit an end as it was like, okay, I'm running out of time for four kids. Okay, three. Okay, I'll settle for two. It's one for each hand. Wouldn't that be fun? Okay, I'll just settle for one. Like, just one. As time has run out on that vending machine prayer, I have had to seriously readdress my definition of prayer. Because you can watch, as my biological clock ticks, you can watch that thing coming to a hideous end, can you not? You can see how that prayer is not going to suit me well. I'm going to end up with a repeat of the, I am so angry at God. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? So as I have watched my time frame come to a close, I have had to ask different questions. I have had to redefine my prayers. And it has been life-altering, you guys. When I invite you into a different definition of prayer, it is from a voice of experience saying you want to have no locked doors. You want to have the kind of God who sits beside you as you ask your toughest questions, as you face your biggest fears. You want that good and noble voice in your court. And wherever we lock him out of, he has no ability to affect. No ability. Some of the things that he's brought up for me in this journey that were not things that I asked, but things that he brought to the table was the entire conversation about how angry I am at my body for letting me down. That is an important, lifelong conversation to be had. Self-loathing, even of our physical body, is incredibly dangerous. 
So he's brought that conversation to the table. We have managed to traverse the question about whether or not my marriage is compatible because Jason is not as sad about this as I am. I would never have guessed that would be part of this journey, but as we've had our own emotional experiences, it has become a question that needed to be answered. If I had left that in hiding, I can't even imagine the damage. I needed to bring that very difficult question to the table in order to have God shape my perspective and speak into my marriage. I needed to hear God say, and I was not asking this, that there are perks to not having kids. If you had told me there are perks about not having kids, I would have thought you have no empathy. Like, shut up. (laughs) I don't think I could have heard it from you. I think I needed to hear that from my loving God who had sat and listened in empathy for years before saying, hey, you know, Ange, here's something you maybe haven't considered. I needed God to say to me, you're defining your happiness with one picture. I'm an infinite God, Ange. I can paint numerous pictures that all include your happiness. I did not sit down and say, okay, you know what I need, God, right now? What I need is for you to paint me a new picture because the truth is he hasn't revealed that other picture. I don't know what that looks like, but I needed an all-powerful God to say to me, I am not stumped by one obstacle in your path. I have a beautiful life to paint for you, and you're defining one picture of happiness, and I have infinite pictures of happiness. These are not things I would have brought to my vending machine prayer. These are not the kinds of things we ask, but these are the kinds of things that happen when we have no locked doors. I want to invite you into that experiment. I'm sure we've all had various moments of clarity like that, where it was like we could feel that that whatever we were talking about was not being held back, that everything was on the table in that topic. I want to invite us to redefine prayer by this idea that prayer always provides. But the question is, am I asking it to only provide what I've asked for? Or am I willing to let it provide what I need and have a litany of different things that prayer could offer me rather than one answer to prayer? This entire series, we are doing an experiment in reading the book of Psalms, which was written by a guy named David who was a a poet warrior. And I love that combination. I have one picture in my head of what a warrior looks like, and I have a different picture in my head of what a poet looks like, and never the twain shall meet. Like that, I can't, like, what? He was a warrior poet, and if you have done that challenge this week, you have already encountered things that were like, he is writing poetry about killing people. Like, okay, it's, oh, it's so rich. But the reason why we picked Psalms was because this guy does the no locked doors policy in his prayers, which I think is incredible for an ancient historical figure who would have seen God very much like a warrior, very much like a Zeus-type character. So for the fact that ancient Israel had a guy that saw God as his friend and did this no locked doors policy, really inspiring to me. So we've gathered these selections And we're reading a little bit every single day, and I can't wait for you to get into this week. There's some good stuff in this week. But I want to use a few of David's words to reiterate this concept of no locked doors. And he uses it regularly in the concept of light entering dark spaces. So if you picture that heart with chambers in it, the doors that are closed are dark. 
And the way he visualizes it is that doors open and the light shines in there and it is no longer ugly. It is no longer hidden. It is no longer festering and rotten. In the light is where things that can happen, good things can happen. So I want to use a couple of little snippets of David's own words to talk about this light principle. So Psalm 89 Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, which is to worship. Acclaim is just to worship and honor, but I, in there, if I feel that way about God, he can have a say in my life. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you. You walk in the light, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. When I picture that door being open and God walking in, there is this warm glow that is cast over the things that I have been hiding. And freedom begins in that moment. I'd like to do another one from Psalm 18. You save the humble. And to me, it is so humbling to walk up to a door and to open it and to reveal what I have wanted to hide. You save the humble. My God turns darkness to light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Now, I'm not scaling very many walls, nor am I advancing against a troop. What I read in that second sentence is, you give me courage. Right? I mean, that's, that is the voice of a warrior. With your help, I can advance against a troop. And with my God, I can scale a wall. I would say that just you're giving me courage. When I bring your light into a situation, when I am willing to open that door and let you in, you imbue me. Every time I have some word that I use, I'm like, it's not even the right word. I am infused, we'll say that, infused with the courage that it takes to stay in that space and to come out of hiding. You save the humble. My God turns my darkness to light. With your help, I can have courage. And then I'd like one other, and this is David um, witnessing, saying, hey, this is who God is, and this is why you can count on him. And it's kind of long, but it proves the point about the no locked doors and the power of that one. It comes from Psalm 19. The revelation of God is whole, and it pulls our lives together. Amen. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. Uh, easy to follow. Thank you, Google Maps. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. What, when I read that this week, what I saw was David opening the door in some chamber of his heart and letting God in. And every time God said, I think you're going to want to let this go. I think this, this is the key question you should be asking. Good, press into that. This, this is hurting you. Let's change that to something else. Whether it's a revelation, a signpost, the directions, like whatever God has to say in that dark space, you can count on it. It is for your good. And I don't mean the kind of good that is like sweat it out and eventually you'll feel better. I mean it's for your good. He is a gentle and kind feedback giver. He makes it safe for us to hear what we need to hear with an empathetic voice. I love it. Friends, prayer always provides. Will we dare to change our definition from prayer provides what I ask for to prayer provides what I need? And it's a much broader, beautiful list 
that changes me, that shapes me, that, that empowers me in my life and is not the kind of thing that I need to spend two hours doing in the morning and another hour at night. It is the kind of ordinary conversation that happens every single day throughout the day with a God who sees me. Prayer always provides. With that, be back. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.